Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you today. Hope you're doing well. It's good to see some uh, Colts gear out there today. We have many things to, to rejoice about, but the Colts signing Jonathan Taylor this past week was good, and uh, we have hope, renewed hope, but we have a Savior who is risen today, our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and excited to uh, to follow him. Final week of our Disciple Series, and today we're, we're locked in on this last little icon, which is summed up with the word serve. And as I was thinking about serving, a question came to my mind, which is so good to ask on our day of rest and refueling, which I hope today or at some point this weekend, you're able just to pause and, and uh, refill with the Lord. And in the, even in these moments, and the question is this, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? And today, specifically around that area of serving our Lord if you were to uh, rank your passion level right now, your, your fervor to serve the Lord, how would you rank that? We know God calls us to, to be active in uh, maintaining our zeal to serve the Lord. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 11 says, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So we are to be the, uh, the keepers of the fire to serve our Lord. So where would, if you were to, we'll say 10 is on fire, blazing flame, your soul is, and a one is smoldering embers, just, uh, you're just getting by. Where, where would you rank your, your passion to be about serving the Lord today? And say, okay, I, we're all probably, probably not a, a raging fire, but we're somewhere in there. How do we maintain our fervor to serve the Lord or our passion to serve the Lord. So I was thinking about that question. I was reminded of the book that Simon Sinek wrote uh, not long ago called Start With Why. And, and he brought to light or put a spotlight on the timeless wisdom of, of the why. And we, he uh, pictured it like this. The concentric circles on the outside, we have the what we're supposed to be doing. So in regards to today's message, we, we know the what is to serve the Lord. You have the how, the logistics of how we serve. So you have the what, the how, but at the center is the why. And the why is really that motive, what fuels us, what drives us, what ignites us and, and motivates us to keep on keeping on. And today, um, think, okay, what is the why of serving our Lord. And the question today, I think most of us would say, hey, we, we know the what of service. We think about the Lord's life and how often he brought us back to the what. And love the, the classic passage in chapter uh, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 to 45. The, the disciples are, are vying for position and, and our Lord just lifts up the life of service as he says, Jesus called them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we know the, the what. It, clear. We are to serve. 
we, uh, we would ask the question, you know, did the disciples get this? Did they understand this? And the answer is a, a oh, yeah. And Peter later on sums it up in, in the context of how we live this out in the, in the context of church. First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, he says, Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so today I think most of us would say in regard to this final habit of uh, being a Christ follower, that, that we're called to a life of service, I get the what. And most of us would even say, I get the how. I have an idea of how to live this out. The question for us today, are we clear on the why? Are we seeing the why? Are we locked in on why we serve? Because when the why grows dim, passion, energy to serve grows dim. And so today I thought it would be good just to look into God's word, receive a summary phrase, a three-word summary phrase that, that really sums up the why, and then three compelling reasons to serve the Lord that, that are like sticks on the fire, logs on the fire of our passion to serve Him. So hopefully today we walk out of here with, with clarity around the why. Three words that, that, that really mark um, summarize our passion to serve the Lord, and then three pictures that we can think about and and uh, reflect on this coming week that will fuel us to, to serve Him. Sound good? So that's where we're headed today. We'll start with the summary phrase that's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. Paul is uh, speaking into what's fueling him and why he's serving the Lord and he sums it up right here in verse 14 as he says, for Christ's love compels us or motivates us because we are convinced that one, speaking of Christ, died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for, for them and was raised again. And so the summary phrase is in yellow right here, but for him, it's why, why do we serve him? What, what's... Or why do we serve? Give our life in humble service. And it, if you were to sum sum it up in three words, it's for him. And so I thought if we could put this to to this phrase, for my king, for my king, for my king. I love this phrase in that it personalizes it. It's my king and it's a reminder of his lordship, of of his um, authority, of, of who he is. So the three-word summary today, why serve our Lord? Why give our lives in humble, loving service? It's for my king. And now what we'd like to look at is three pictures that, that move us to serve. They give us three compelling reasons to serve our king. The first one is found there in Luke chapter 17, verse 7 to 10. If you would join me there, Luke 17, verses 7 to 10. Jesus is speaking to his disciples And he says this, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to his servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down and eat? So speaking into priority, is is it the servant, will the master tell the servant, hey, you come along and eat with me? No, the the goal of a servant is to provide first for the master, his, his will goes, verse 8, won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. 
Will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So again, he's, okay, as a servant, do you expect gratitude from, from your master? No, it's, it's rhetorical, but obviously not. And then he, he brings it home, verse 10. So you also, when you have done everything you are told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Why spend our life in humble service for our king? And the first reason here is, can be summed up in the word duty. As his unworthy servant, it's simply my duty. Who am I? Who are you? As followers of Christ and as those who have been saved by him, I'm an unworthy servant of the King of Kings just doing my duty. This teaching from our Lord reminds us that God owes us nothing and we owe him everything. We know this, but but do we live in this? And I, I know it's so good to be reminded that, okay, he's the one who has given me my life today. He created us. He sustains us. He saved us. And he even redeemed us and has given us the privilege of joining him in co-creating, of being a part of his redemptive work here on earth. He's given us meaningful work to do and, and uh, providing for ourselves, but also to be a part of his eternal purposes and plan. I love the way this truth, as we reflect on this, it's I'm an unworthy servant, I'm only doing my duty. It frees us from the temptation to live entitled, doesn't it? To think that somehow the world owes me anything, or that God, even sometimes we drift into thinking that actually God owes us something, when in reality he owes us nothing. But it's so easy to drift into entitlement thinking, that I just love this picture of what a sanity-restoring truth this is. I'm an unworthy servant, and whatever God would call me to do, um, it's just my duty. And I do it out of, uh, out of that reality. I'm, I'm just doing my duty as his unworthy servant. No task is too big, too small. If he calls me to do it, I'm in. So as we... As you think about this, though, do you feel your pride pushing back against this? Does anyone like being called an unworthy servant? <laughs> and this is actually the word for slave. I, I feel my pride push back against this one. I, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good to me. But what's beautiful about this truth, and I love this about the teaching of Jesus, is he's not out to make us feel good, is he? He's out to lead us into reality And this is actually the path to true contentment, to true peace, to true joy. As he told us when he washed the disciples' feet, if you do this, you will be blessed. The path to misery is to think others should serve us and that God should serve us. The path to joy is saying no one owes me anything and I exist as an unworthy servant to serve my king. There is no greater honor than being a servant of the living king. You know, the, uh, there are those moments in life that just get frozen in your mind or they happen to you and you, you can't shake them. I'm sure you've, we could list, go around and share those times that God uses, us to, uses them to awaken us to a truth that we carry with us for the rest of our life. And I had one of those, one morning I was rooming with a, a guy who was uh, in the latter season of his life. He was a missionary, a legend in his, among his peers. He served as a missionary in Brazil, Art Cavey. And his wife, Joyce, two of the most Christ-like people that 
that uh, Tam and I had been around, and just precious couple. But it was, we were at a conference, and he and I were rooming together, and we were just, it was kind of ordinary moments, getting ready for the day, you know, putting on our socks and shoes and getting ready to go. And so I threw out the, hey, Art, what is your life verse? And immediately, without missing a beat, he began to quote Luke seventeen ten. So you also, when you have done everything you are told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. But he couldn't get through it. He started to cry. Started to get choked up. And uh, man, that rocked me to see this man crying. A guy who lived a life of sacrifice. A missionary left his family to go to the field. And yet he gets to the end of his life. And what's still fueling him and fueling him to the point of tears was this reality that I am an unworthy servant. I'm just doing my duty. And that's reality, isn't it? So we stop and think about who we are, what God has done for us, and, and it fuels us, keeps us from living entitled or, or being prideful and just, God has given me my life and this eternal life to lay it down for him. I'm an unworthy servant just doing my duty for my king. So why spend your life in humble Humble service. The second picture that God gives us as we seek to, to live for our king is found in Luke chapter 7, verse 44 to 47. Quick context to this verse. A Pharisee, one of the religious leaders in Jesus' day, had invited Jesus over and really just to check, you know, evaluate Jesus' teaching. And as they're having a meal, his name was Simon, as they're having a meal, a lady who Jesus had forgiven earlier and had lived a sinful life came into the the, uh, the room, and it was an awkward moment. She began to cry, tears of gratitude, but such that it was wetting Jesus' feet. She was wiping his feet off with her hair, and then um, she was kissing his feet. You would do this, as you would, in this culture, a kiss was just part of the hospitality process, and then she was giving, pouring expensive perfume on his feet. So awkward moment. The Pharisee is thinking, if Jesus knew who this woman was, you know, he would not let this happen. And this is what Jesus says in response. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell, tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love sh- has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. What moves us to, to spend our life in humble, loving service for our king? And the second reason here, it can be summed up with this word delight. It's not just duty, but it's delight. As a recipient of his love, it's my delight. What was it that moved this woman to such radical, sacrificial, extravagant acts of, of humble service to our Lord? And as Jesus is debriefing here, it, it becomes clear. It's, she was living with an awareness of his love for her and what she had been forgiven. And it moved her to express humble, extravagant service, and, and it was her delight 
to do so. As I was reflecting on this passage and seeing this, this lady in light of our Lord's words, it was convicting to me in my own life. I felt like I stand more with the host. And sometimes I, I grow unaware or maybe a little calloused. And maybe you feel this as well in your spiritual life where, yes, we know that what the Lord did for us on the cross and his love for us. But am I living in a, a fresh awareness of his love such that it is my delight to, uh, to offer up my affection to him? And it actually moves me to tears, that it, that it moves me to, to sacrificial service and not measuring out my service or trying to protect my life and my time and my um, resource, all that God has given me, but rather, Lord, I, it's all yours and it's my delight to give it to you. Her example is convicting and moves me to ask, am I living awake to his love? It was late one evening on, uh, at Cedarville University that the uh, college, in the fall, that the, um, they have a fall Bible conference, and the college students had all gathered there in the chapel. But while the students were gathered in the chapel, there was, you could see a, the figure of a, a young man running across campus, and he was running uh, back to his dorm because he had to get there before his friends. He wanted to get there before his friends got back because he had to spend some time on his knees with the Lord. This young man had trusted Christ as a young man, as a, or as a child, had received, made a profession of faith and received the forgiveness of his sins. But during that message, and, and he still doesn't remember exactly what the message was about, but he encountered the love of God, a fresh encountering of, of how much God loved him. And when he made it back to his dorm, he fell on his knees, and there he surrendered his life to Christ, and, or to service to Christ. I think he had already been saved, but, but that moment was a, a transformative moment in his life. That young man was my dad. And um, not long ago, he was talking with some friends, and they're like, hey, you spent your life as a pastor. Why? What, what fueled you to do that? Why did you choose that as your career, as your vocation? And he pointed back to that night. And it was the awakening to the love of God for him. And perhaps you've had moments like that in your life. And times when we realize, if he loves me like this, as this woman is expressing, it is my delight to give my life, whatever that looks like, for most of us, it's not a vocational service, but rather it's, it is doxology, spending our entire life, our work, our play, our everything for him, seeking to offer that as worship. Why spend your life in humble service? When we experience and, and live in awareness of his love, it becomes our delight, doesn't it? I love the way C.S. Lewis said it, when you dance with the one you love, you hardly notice the sweat. You know, it, it's, it's a joy to uh, to sweat the work the the hard parts of it, so why spend our life in humble service? One, it is our um, as we seek to to live for my King. It's our duty, it, who we are. It's our delight as we live a, awake to His love. And then the third picture that that God gives us that is so good. This is a 
inspiring one, fuels us to humble, loving service. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 23, 13 to 17. 2 Samuel 23. Quick context on this. David is, King David, of king of Israel, is reviewing. Um, he's at the end of his life, and he's listing out his mighty men, people who were a band of brothers, warriors in his kingdom. And there's some great stories in here. But this is one of the, the most precious where you see, I, I can't help but think the devotion that uh, David had to his men and his men had to him. But this is, it says, during harvest time, verse 13, three of the 30 chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephim. And at that time, David was in the stronghold and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. So, Philistines, enemies of Israel, there were probably around 200 to 300 of them. We know that the cave of Adullam is about 15 miles, 15 to 20 miles, the route you'd have to take from Bethlehem. So David longed for water and said, and so this scholars think this is probably just wishful thinking. He's just probably moaning out loud, expresses his desire. He says, oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So here he's a grown man. Remember, he grew up as a shepherd boy in Bethlehem. So he, he probably, you know, drank at that well many times, satisfied his thirst. And, but now he's in this conflict and he's out in this cave and Bethlehem is under siege by the Philistines. And he's, he's thirsty and he's just throwing out this wish, which is probably just heart's desire for peace and just all that was. Look what happens, verse 16. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines. They run 15 miles, a little over a mini marathon, break through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. And I wish we had this on video right now. But how do you do that? You're, these guys are busting through, probably one at night, I'm guessing, but they break through the, the line. I'm sure, um, and and they're draw, and the the Philistines have to be thinking, what are these guys doing? You, you know, and lo and behold, they go over, and one of them is um, getting water out of the well, while the others were probably fighting off the the Philistines. They uh, they drew water near the gate of Bethlehem, and they carried it back fifteen miles back to David. Man. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. It, is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. What is it that fuels us to spend our life in humble service to our king? And the third reason, devotion. Because he is worthy of my life. So we see these three soldiers do this for their king. It's an act of service that is so inspiring, but it, it raises some questions immediately. And the first question, obvious question, is why? Why would they do this? What would cause them to, to risk their lives to, for a cup of water, for a drink of water? And again, I, I think that it's, the text doesn't say with crystal clarity, but I think it's safe to conclude there was a level of devotion of these men to their king and to, the, to David, to them, 
that we see in this text. But that raises the next question. Is David worthy of this kind of devotion? Was he worthy of these guys risking their lives just that his wish would become their command? Is David worthy of that? And the the rest of the text explains that, that he knows the answer to that, and it is no. He says, I'm not worthy of this. And so he takes this water, he dumps it on the ground, but it awakens something in my heart, and maybe it awakens something in your heart. These men, it lifts something up in their heart. We long to spend our lives for someone who is worthy, don't we? To give our life as a sacrifice for someone who deserves it. For a, some, There's something in us that longs for a leader who is worthy, a leader who is good, who is right, who is just, who is worthy of our sacrifice. But what does every human leader do? They fail us. And even this king would fail his mighty men. But this king, as good as he was, King David was but a foreshadowing of the king of kings who would come from the line of David, be born in this very town, Bethlehem, where this happened. And a king who would be born, king of kings, born in a humble, two teenagers in a manger, live his life in humble obscurity as a carpenter serving his family. And then when it came time for him to do the will of the Father, which was to take your sin, my sin, and run into the fires of hell, On our behalf, he was faithful to do it. This is our king. Our king became thirsty, and when he was thirsty on the cross, he cried out for a drink, and he had no one there to go get him water. They gave him vinegar. He became thirsty so that we might be able to taste the water of life and forever have our deepest thirst satisfied. He became poor so that we might be rich. He gave his life so that we might live forever. This is our king. King, he is worthy of our life. Is it worth it to risk your life to get him a cup of water? Is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And guys, that's what he's called us to do, isn't it? Who's thirsty in your life? Physically thirsty? And what did he say on the final day, Matthew 25? What you gave, the drink of water. In my name, you gave to me. He calls us into service. And as we look around and seek to satisfy the physical needs, but also the spiritual, emotional, all the ways that God has called us to serve those around us humbly in love, it is worth it, worth it, worth it. He is worthy of our life. A cup of cold water at the risk of my life. He is worthy. And then I think that he would humble himself to allow our acts of service to touch his heart. I I picture David there in the cave, and he was with these guys, and he loved them, you know? He was with them. And when they came back with that water, it moved him. And we know through the Word of God that when we offer our our ordinary lives and simple acts of service, it touches the heart of our God. But he humbles himself to enter into this kind of relationship with us. This is our king. C.T. Studd was the, uh, back in, he lived back in the early 20th century, but he was the Patrick Mahomes, the, the great quarterback of cricket. And cricket was a big deal in 
England, and he was up and coming, a smart guy, successful guy, born into a very wealthy family, had a, quite the, uh, the business to take over. But for him, God's calling on his life was missions. He, he said, I want you to go take the gospel to those who haven't heard it. And he walked away from all of that, a career in cricket, the hope of England, the, uh, all the, the, his uh, family business offered him. And he, he and uh, seven other guys, Hudson Taylor was one of those, they went, um, he took the gospel into China, into Asia, into uh, India. But, but uh, reflecting on his life, there's several quotes that C.T. Studd gives us that continue to live on. One of them is, he's the guy who said, some wish to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He's also the guy who said, one, only one life, it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. But my favorite one is this, in light of our text today. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. For my king, for my king, he is worthy. And so why spend our life in humble service? Three words. Three words I hope will just, um, you can carry with you this week and encourage you as you do the ordinary or the extraordinary, whatever God calls you to, but it's for my king. And as we think about that, for my king, it's my duty, it's my delight, and it's my devotion, duty, delight, and devotion. May this week, may this life that God gives us be an offering of humble service for our king. I love to think about the, the pages of your life story. What are you going to fill them with, you know? And what if we fill the pages of our life with moments like what we've just read? Moments where we're, we're simply serving our king Grateful hearts, humble hearts, moments when we serve him that, like the woman who's just, we can't hold back our affection, and it's extravagant gratitude and extravagant, extravagant sacrifice, and then moments like these three mighty warriors that we would be able to look back on our life and know there were some moments when <laughs> I heard his wish, and it was my command, and I, I gave it my all for the glory of my king. And when we come to our final day, love this picture. What if this, this thought, for my king, for my king, for my king, becomes such a, a mental reflex that when we come to our final day and we're getting ready to breathe our last, and we know I've got one last lap, one last day to live, the thought on our mind is not, oh no, the thought on our mind is one more chance. For my king, for my king. This one is for my king. And we finish with those words. C.T. Studd, you know what his last words were they said when he, when he breathed his last hallelujah. Love that. Here's a guy had been living, been living for my king. Why humbly serve others? It's for my king. He is worthy. Why would the bakers and the dragoos drive weeks ago to Pittsburgh to be with Joe and Karen and Ann as, as Ann continues to recover? For my king. Why would Doug and Jonelle prep meals Thursday evenings this summer for Wes and Janae as they go through their season of grieving? It's for my king. Why would Levi, Rob, Mitch, Brad, Bill, and others spend hours on a mower to make our campus looking great on a weekend? It's for my king. Why would someone anonymously write a check for $10,000 to fund and fuel the ministries of our church family, both locally and globally? 
No one will ever know their name, know that they, who they are. It's for my king. Why would the Humphreys, the Kleins, the Browns, the Seegers leave the comfortable here and go to Lebanon to help a struggling church? It's for my king. Why would Don and Christy open their home to serve and host two missionary couples that were with us weeks ago? For my king. Why coach a middle school team of guys and spend your you know, weekdays and Saturdays um, helping them in the game of basketball, but more importantly in the game of life? It's for my king. Why would Rich and Sherry Smith leave family work to serve in Guatemala? It's for my king. Why decorate a space in our trick-or-treat, you know, and show up that night when you could be home watching football and just love on people who may not normally come into our church family? It's for my king. Why bring your best to work even though you have an unreasonable boss? It's for my king. Why serve your husband? your wife, your kids, your parents, for my king. And why serve the vulnerable, the poor, those in need? It's for my king. He is worthy, isn't he? This week I I kept coming back to Revelation chapter 5 and 7, the throne room of our king. And the song Echo Holy, Red Rocks, um, you can listen to that awesome song that that just takes us into those chapters but we're going to sing a song in just a moment of response and just um, pray that this will be a time that that you enter into the presence of our king and and just express in your own words your gratitude your love for him but then also surrender and that that he as we see him as he is that he would fuel us fuel our passion to be faithful and and humble, loving servants of him till the day he calls us home. And so as we go there, or prepare for this, I'll just read Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. And John writes, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. He is worthy, isn't he? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us today and just reminding us of why we serve. Lord, it is all for you. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy poured out to us to make us your own. Think of the prodigal as he came back and said, I I just want to be a servant. And and yet you said, no, you'll be my child. And you clothed him with the best. And Lord, you've done that for us. We are unworthy servants, and yet you've made us your dearly loved children thank you today. Lord, we pray that you would help us to just live with the fresh awareness of your love and of our calling, this great opportunity we have to serve you as our King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.